Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. It's 134 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer joining you. Uh, Royal Pizza still making a great multiple occasions in Edmonton to serve you. Edmonton owned and operated 48 plus years. It's Thursday. No, wait, it's Wednesday. Stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza is the Mediterranean chicken. You can visit the location nearest you, Royal Pizza. Pizza pasta, so much more. For menu and locations, visit royalpizza.ca. All right, there's a couple guys out east that I uh, love to get a chance to talk to. We just had Al May on the show out of Washington. He brings some real energy every time uh, he joins us. Of course, he is from these parts. Uh, Frank Saravelli was a Oilers Now favorite before uh, we got embargoed on having Frank on our show, but he's a terrific fellow. And uh, so too is Arthur Staple, who uh, totally knows the New York Islanders like nobody else's business. Arthur, welcome back to our show. How are you? I'm good, Bob. How are you doing? Good. And we should mention Arthur is now with The Athletic. Another reason to go and get yourself a subscription to uh, a fast-growing entity, and I'll be honest, I was one of the first subscribers to it, and uh, it's uh, you got some big-time writers with it now, Arthur. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, it's been growing like crazy, and uh, it's uh, it's pretty exciting to see uh, see who we are next. I always kind of open the open our little internal app to see uh, whose name is popping up most lately. So uh, it's been fun, and I think. Uh, I think we're going to be in every NHL city by the start of next season. Yeah, well, we had James Myrtle on uh, just before I, I took a week off last week, but uh, had James on just to discuss, uh, you know, uh, a bit about some of the stuff around Lou Lamarillo and the Maple Leafs and what was going to happen there about uh, 10 to 12 days ago, but also to talk about the progression of growth. And he did say that they would have a full-time writer uh, that would be out because we didn't have anybody from the Athletic down around Rogers Place on a day-by-day basis. And uh, given that the Oilers have... Connor McDavid, I would kind of think that, you know, we're, I'm looking forward to seeing some people. They've got some guys and, uh, uh, you know, Al Mitchell is a, is a good guy, and uh, so too is Jonathan Willis, but they're not down for the games and the practices, and I do think that you, you need to have some of that uh, uh, presence uh, when it comes to knowing your team, and that's part of what you do, is you have known the Islanders like nobody else's business. You're the guy that broke the story on the actual confirmation on Lou Lamarillo. Uh, this was obviously in the works, uh, given his relationship with his son and his role in the Islanders organization, so not a surprise, I guess. What does it mean, though, ultimately, Arthur? You know, I think it means a lot. This is uh, this is an organization that doesn't make changes in their front office very often. You know, Gar Snow is still a general manager. They've only had five GMs since the franchise started 40 years ago, uh, and it's not like they've all had Bill Tory like records. So, um, it, it's uh, it's an organization that's slow to change. It's not a it's not a big front office by any stretch of the imagination. They've always worked on a budget, but now uh, with Scott Malkin, the principal owner. 
um, pretty unhappy with the way things went the last couple of years, and, and certainly this season with uh, that that started off pretty well and hit a nice crescendo with the announcement uh, of the new arena at Belmont Park in three years, and then just fell apart. So uh, you know, I, he clearly had his eyes on Lou Lamorello from uh, just about the time the season ended, and. And uh, he got his man, and now there's uh, you know a guy with the best resume of any available person out there uh, at the top of hockey operations. So I think it represents a big change for this organization. So is he president and GM? Is that he's president of hockey operations? Correct. Okay. The GM. Uh, I guess that's to be determined if that's going to stay that way for the for the long term. You know, I, I imagine for Garth, who's uh, been president and GM for 12 years, losing one of those titles doesn't feel good and. And not having final say anymore, it's just human nature to be used to doing what you've been doing. And uh, I know uh, Lou and Garth have a good relationship and have for a long time. So maybe there's a way to make it work. But for right now, uh, Lou is president, Garth is GM, and we'll see what happens uh, over the next couple of weeks and months. Well, and I think that's an important qualifier that you just mentioned there. Like these two guys, my understanding is for Lamarillo. Snow might have been one of the closest three or four managers that he sort of dealt with on a regular basis, and of course they're in that uh, you know in the New York State area there for uh, for the better part of the last uh, fifteen years. So there is that connection as well. So it's a distinct possibility Snow theoretically could remain with the organization, could he not? Sure. I mean, this is a guy who he's admired uh, for a long time. Who you know, obviously without the success that the Devils had, but uh, Garth tried to structure his his organization, the way that Lou structured the Devils, uh, a very small group of decision makers, you know, keeping things very close to the vest, a hundred percent buck stops here authority with one guy and not too many leaks uh, to us yeah. in the media. So it's, uh, you know, there's definitely respect that goes both ways. So, so we'll have to see if that plays a role going forward. What does it mean for Doug Waite? You know, I think, uh, I think, he and his coaching staff have to be on notice. You know, uh, all you have to do is look at his track record. Obviously, not in Toronto with Mike Babcock, but in Jersey, uh, you know, he, he was uh, changing coaches even when things were going well. And, and this is not like Toronto, where uh, it was a group and there was somebody above him. Lou is top of the food chain now, and if he sees that things aren't going the way that he wants, he's obviously got uh, quite the rolodex of, of guys that he's worked with and guys that he's coached who are in the coaching ranks now. Uh, whether it's a Scott Stevens, uh, Jacques Lemaire, you know, there's people around who have uh, who have had a lot of success with him who he trusts implicitly. So I don't think it's a very comfortable time for Doug Waite. Um, perhaps if he had come off a better season, things would be a little bit better. And I don't necessarily think that Lou is going to come right in and, and sweep everything away. They've got a draft that's pretty important, and obviously the John Tavares situation uh, all unfolding in the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting because they had, I mean, they have weight. Uh, they, they have a heavy former Oiler uh, contingent. Uh, Luke Richardson, Kelly Buckberger, uh, went, you know, uh, as well as Freddie Brathwaite. Uh, they've got, is Cronin still on that staff as well? I think he is, yeah, isn't he? Yep, Scott Gomez as well. It's a, big, it's a big staff, and they're all, you know, just in the first years of their contract. With the first years of their contract. So it'll be a pretty big, uh, pretty big. You know, nut to swallow there to uh, uh, to get rid of everybody. But I think you know, like the statement that the Islanders put out yesterday, said Lou has full authority over hockey decisions, and he is in evaluation mode right right away from day one. All right, uh, we're joined right now by Arthur Staple, longtime New York Islanders uh, beat writer for Newsday. He's now with the Athletic. 
Arthur, uh, you brought up John Tavares, and this situation has angered some other managers around the league because it was not official that Lamarillo was acting in the uh, interests of the Islanders, and yet it was he, he, he was. I mean, he visited with Tavares, and it preceded his announcement of being officially made the president of the organization. So that's a whole other discussion. What impact do you think that he would have uh, with Tavares moving forward? I think a pretty decent one. You know, um, the fact that Tavares took the time to meet with him uh, shows that, you know, he's... I, I still think we're in the phase, that, and we've talked about it a lot since last summer, that Tavares is looking for him to stay. And uh, he certainly didn't have a lot after that arena announcement. The team went in the gutter. Um, there was a lot of really low morale. They didn't... They, not only did they lose, they were losing badly, giving up tons of goals and just not, not playing like a team that cared very much. So... Um, obviously, heading into an off season after that uh, is pretty depressing, and you would think that the the chances of him staying decreased by the day. So he takes a meeting with Lou Lamarillo, and here you know, and sits down with a guy whose who's, you know reputation precedes him, and also his reputation for being aggressive and, and fixing things that are wrong precedes him. So those are those are two aspects of this move that I think uh, have to pump up the Islanders' chances a bit to, to retain John Tavares, and now I'm sure he's still, he's not going to make any decisions anytime soon. He's still going to probably go to that five-day window that he can talk to other teams, but the Islanders are going to make some moves between now and then, so I'm sure he's as intrigued as anybody to see what they do. You mentioned the Islanders are going to make some moves. What do you envision? I mean, they've got Calvin DeHaan and Thomas Hickey, who are both UFAs. Uh, are we to assume that they're both going to walk, or just one of those two? That's hard to say now. You know, I know what uh you you know being around the team as often as i as long as i have and as often as i am uh you get a sense of how they feel about certain guys um now that's out the window you gotta know you, you know it's loose he's coming to this with a first perspective maybe um those are both good players and useful players i think with dehan coming off the major shoulder so that's a bit of, bit of a risk for a team that needs some strength on defense so i don't know about it Thomas Hickey is, uh, you know, he's a guy that if he was, if he were, uh, you know, 20 pounds heavier and five inches taller, he'd be an NHL captain and number one defenseman on some team. He's just, uh, you know, he's he's a guy who is a leader by by nature. Um, so I, you know, I'm sure. Obviously, it's got to make sense. So uh, it's all still pretty up in the air right now, at least with those two guys. Obviously, Tavares is, is the focus. Uh, they need another top four defenseman. Whether those guys stay or go, they need a goaltender. They need yep. uh, a little better depth up front. There's a lot that they need, and I think they've got the assets to, to make some things happen in the next few weeks. Could you see them trading? Uh, I think they're drafting right after Edmonton at 11 and 12. Do they, they use both those picks, or do you, could you see one of them being in play for some immediate help? Uh, if it was Garth Snow in charge, I would have said uh, more likely than not they, they trade at least one of them with Lou in charge. Who knows? They could trade both. They could they could uh, trade back. They could trade up. They could package them for you know who knows. I I just think everything is on the table now with them and uh, and Lou you know has gone into drafts with his last two teams and needing a goalie at times. He, he got Corey Schneider in 2013. He got Freddie Anderson two years ago. So I think he understands where the priorities are and uh, and maybe that's behind hey. Tavares. That's probably priority number one. Yeah, it starts in goal. I mean, we just watched uh, you know Vegas get past Winnipeg in Game Three and Game Four. It came down to goaltending. So, uh, Arthur Staple joining. I mean, interesting, Arthur. I mean, you mentioned the goaltending situation. Obviously, they got Pollock. Who uh, do you think he's a top four D man moving forward? Can we say that yet at this stage? 
Oh, I sure do. Yeah, I, I think so. I think he showed, you know, of all the the disappointments in the last fifty games of the season, uh, he was the brightest spot that they had. I think he might have been even above Barzal when he started to tail off a bit. Ryan Pollock was the was the best player they had on the ice for a lot of those last few games. Uh, two restricted free agents: Brock Nelson and Brandon Davidson. The, uh, I mean, could Nelson get I mean, Nelson's name was out there the back half of last season, and does Na- Davidson get qualified? Uh, I would I would think so. You know, I think they want to keep all their options open on D. Um, he certainly didn't do anything spectacular, but he didn't uh, do anything to embarrass himself uh, on a group that gave up a ton of goals. Uh, and Sim is just he's a bit of an enigma. He just you know, there's, there's always questions about uh, about the motor and about drive to, to succeed. He, he always uh, you know he, he looks a little placid out there, but he's. He's a competitive guy, and he scored a lot of goals, relatively speaking, over the last four years. So I imagine that if it's time for him to move on, that they could uh, they could package him maybe with one of those picks and get something pretty decent in return. All right, Arthur, great stuff. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, I mean, you mentioned the fact the team couldn't defend. Uh, good time, boys, coaching staff as well. I mean, those guys were all early Oilers, or early '90s Oilers, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be very intrigued to see how this plays out. Uh, I think Scott Stevens is going to play a factor when this thing's all said and done. Uh, I know he helped out our Adam Larson, uh, you know, in terms of really focusing on becoming a pretty good, effective uh, shutdown defenseman. Uh, so we appreciate your time, and uh, we're going to touch base with you down the road if that's possible as well. Always available for you, Bob. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks a lot. That is Arthur Staple. He is with The Athletic, uh, one of the fine writers. Craig Custance, another great writer that they have with The Athletic. Uh, Mike Russo as well. Jeremy Rutherford. I mean, those are four of the... Those guys were dominant beat guys in their respective markets uh, that are uh, writing for uh, a pretty unique... Uh, Pay site. We'll tell you that portions of Oilers Now brought to you by World Floor Carvings. Tell them Oilers Now sent you at World Floor Carvings and receive two times the air miles, reward miles in your flooring purchases. World Floor Carvings, where they know a lot about hockey and a lot about flooring. When we come back, uh, we'll wrap her up. We'll get to this day in Oilers history. It was a good one. If you were 19. By the way, do you know who sang the song 19? Brendan? No. <laughs> Paul Hardcastle, you can look it up. Maybe we'll come oh, back with that. You never—it's—he was the ultimate one-hit wonder. Uh, yeah, we'll uh, get back to this day in Oilers history and get to some of your texts to wrap the show in Oilers now. After this. When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. ProAmSports.ca. Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a ProAm Sports certificate of authenticity and hologram, you know it's 100% authentic, hand signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, ProAm Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton show. Showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca. That's proamsports.ca. In 1965, Vietnam seemed like just another foreign war, but it wasn't. It was different in many ways, and so were those who did the fighting. In World War II, the average age of the combat soldier was 26. In Vietnam, he was 19. In, 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 in Vietnam, he was 19. In Vietnam, he was 19. Do you got a year on that? Was that 84 or 85? 
85. All right. I mentioned 85 because I was 19 in 1985. The Stan Oilers history brought to you by New West Travel, Edmonton's premier travel company for 38 years. Looking at going on a river cruise in Europe for 2018, New West Travel has great rates on some fabulous cruises. 1985, I was 19. May 23rd, 1985, Willie the Wisp Lindstrom has the game winner. The Edmonton Oilers beat the Philadelphia Flyers 3-1 to even the Stanley Cup final at two games apiece. That game was in Philadelphia. That's back when you went 2-3-2 and uh, so the Oilers ended up winning the Stanley Cup that year in 1985 in five games. Blowout in game number five. I've talked about it before. Um, it was a time warp. The Flyers playing like a team in the 1970s. The Oilers with the speed, the panache, the style, frankly, that could play today, which, you know, hey, when your top two centers are Messier and Gretzky, I, I guess I should probably do Gretzky and Messier. I mean, in fairness. Uh, <laughs> though, you know, the funny thing is, the guy that would be the least offended by that would be Wayne Gretzky, which just tells you everything you need to know about Wayne Gretzky. Uh, this day in Oilers history brought to you by New West Travel. Uh, great travel deals for wedding, uh, weddings, honeymoons, golf packages, and employee corporate reward trips. Call the friendly staff at New West Travel, 780-432-7446 or at newwesttravel.com. Hey, Brendan. So, you know, full disclosure here, and people can probably figure it out if they've listened to the show over the years. I, I've never been a big fan of the Flyers. Okay, I, I did not like the Flyers in the 1970s. I, I thought they were a you-know-what show on the ice. Uh, I love the fact that Larry Robinson beat the living tar out of Dave Schultz. Uh, you know, the Flyers, they fought as a pack, right? The only time I kind of smiled a little bit was when they chased the Russians off the ice, the you know, the Red Army, uh, back in the mid-1970s. I thought, yeah, okay. I can handle I was actually embarrassed when Bobby Clark broke Valerie Harlamov's, you know, ankle. I was six. I'm like, oh, that's not fair. I mean, that Harlamov guy is pretty good. But I was not a big Flyers fan. So by the time the Oilers played him in 1985, and what used to happen is Edmonton would go to Boston and Philly back then, and, you know, the Oilers had Gretzky and all these, this cavalcade of stars, and, you know, they'd be on an extended Eastern road trip, like, you know, five games in eight days or something, and they'd be challenged uh, to to have the, the other team the building would be jacked up in Boston they'd be playing in a smaller building Philadelphia you know you're in the spectrum it was an intimidating place but come playoff time the Oilers did fine in Philadelphia and they did fine in Boston uh, in Philly in 85 and 87 in Boston in 88 1990 but I was not a Flyers fan at all at all so the 85 uh, was a blowout 87 some of the boys will tell you from that boys of the bus era that Slats wanted a game seven back in Edmonton. Let's not forget the orders were up game five with a three games to one lead. Marty McSorley had scored twice in game five at Edmonton. The Flyers came back and won 4-3 after being up 3-1. But on this date, when I was 19, uh, May 23rd, 1985, Willie Lindstrom, game winner. Flyers for the orders winning 3-1 to even the series 1-1. Remember game one, Don Jackson got in a fight with Rick the Rocket Talking. Jackson was a heck of an athlete. He wasn't the greatest fighter. He was tough, but he could take a punch because he got hit sometimes. Joey Kosher caught him pretty clean once. I do remember actually in the 85 series uh, against Chicago, Dave Smenko had a bad back, and he fought Ben Wilson, and Ben Wilson was big-time tough. He was right up there with Semenko throughout the uh, early 1980s. And um, he, got the better, he got the better of Dave because Semenko was in pretty much, uh, God rest his soul, was in a bit of a defense mode because of the back injury. And uh, Donnie Jackson came back to Edmonton and fought uh, Ben Wilson in the next game and did fine. 
That's, that's Don Jackson gave team team toughness. Kevin McClellan used to end up fighting Hospitar. Hospitar was a dirty player. You know who broke uh, Ed Hospitar's face one time with a punch? It was ugly. Real ugly. Barry Beck. Was it Was it Beck? Now I'm trying to think of it. I think it was Beck. Well, now I have to look it up. Barry Beck was huge back in the day. All so right. what you're saying is there used to be fights in uh, the playoffs. All the time. Which we don't see very hey, often. Craig Matavich now. played it with Boston in the early 80s. They had a full-on brawl with the New York Islanders. Like Wayne Cashman and Gary Howitt going at it a couple times. And Cash was tough. He was old school. He was a lefty. He was a little bit dirty, too. Uh, they, they used to call Gary Howitt the toy, the toy tiger. Sammy ripped him apart in the 81 playoffs. Just absolutely destroyed him in a fight. All right. Uh, coming up uh, tomorrow in Oilers now, it will be Stoffer Inspector for our friends at Horse Racing Alberta. Reminder, live racing. Saturdays at Northlands Park. What We got a game tonight. We got a game seven. So Reed's got another. I think Reed took uh, Jack out for lunch today. Yeah, he did. Where was our invite? Uh, that's kind of couldn't have waited to talk to the show. You that, know, that, that, that's how it goes. You know what? Uh, I didn't get invited today. I didn't get invited yesterday. With Dave Mowat from ATB <laughs> had his retirement party. I mean, I talked about the guy <laughs> saying, "There's a guy that's going to politics. He'd win. He's really smart, just like our current premier. She's really smart. It's just I'm not quite." convinced the rest of the party's at her level, but she's a very bright person. Dave Mowat, retirement party. You know who did get invited to that party, by the way? Brian Hall. Uh, Andrew Gross. Okay. But I didn't make the cut. I don't know what happened. I'm telling you. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. Up next, uh, global news, weather, traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 630 Ched Afternoon news with the uh, mega talented uh, Jalen Nye and everybody's favorite, apparently, Andrew Gross. So long, everybody, from Oilers Now.